Today is June 4th, 2023. This is Everyone Has an Opinion. My name is Juan. Welcome to another boxing edition of the podcast. This weekend, we have a great matchup in the super lightweight division, junior welterweight division, whichever way you want to call the 140-pound division. We have Tiafimo Lopez, former champion at 135 pounds, taking on the man, the lineal, the former undisputed, the undefeated Josh Taylor, as my dog winces in the background. He's not a big Josh Taylor fan. Before I get into that matchup, before I break it all down for you, I want to talk about some things that are taking place outside of the ring. Number one, since it just happened and since it's fresh in my mind, the hate for Clarissa Shields. I don't get it. This woman does nothing but dominate the sport. And people just try to find something wrong, whether it's her not having power, they say, because she doesn't have many knockouts. Listen, I watched that fight yesterday. She won every single round and she was going for the knockout throughout the entire fight. So when you're doing that, you're leaving yourself vulnerable. You're opening yourself up and her opponent still couldn't capitalize on the mistakes. And this was a top rated opponent. Granted, she was a replacement, but still. That just shows the separation. Clarissa Shields is in there trying to knock people out. Maybe they should push more. And they, I mean the boxing community and the people that are hating on Clarissa Shields, maybe they should push for three-minute rounds. Because, in my opinion, in three-minute rounds for women's boxing, you're going to get more stoppages because these women are going to fatigue a lot quicker going an extra minute per round. And that fatigue is going to lead to knockouts. Yes, it's going to be more dangerous. This is boxing. This is the hurt business. People put their lives on the line anyway. So when you're making a rule that is already implemented in men's boxing, I don't see a problem with it. And I think if you were to poll the majority of women boxers, they would tend to agree. Make it three-minute rounds, and Clarissa Shields will be getting these stoppages. She's sharp. She's smart. She's athletic. She's tough. She's beaten the best that her division and every division around her has to offer. This woman is two-time undisputed in two different weight classes. She's doing things remarkable. The woman who's undisputed now, I believe at 168, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm not a, I'm not an aficionado on women's boxing. I am just now starting to pay more attention as the talent pool is slowly getting larger, but I believe Clarissa Shields beat the undisputed champion in her first fight. That just shows Shields has been fighting the top competition since day one. Granted, the competition isn't that deep, but she's beating them. Savannah Marshall, her last opponent before last night, was supposed to be a huge threat to her. It was a great fight. Many people picked against Shields, but now you got people like Sergio Mora who I respect. Sergio Mora is a really probably the only good commentator on DAZN outside of Gabe Rosado. But as far as the main everyday cast that they have commentating, uh, Sergio Mora to me is the best one. And even he has said some really dumb things when it comes to Clarissa Shields. He's saying, oh, she can't be an all-time great. She doesn't have a rival. She doesn't have this. She doesn't have that. But Sergio Mora was on record picking against her. He thought Savannah Marshall was going to win. So you thought Savannah Marshall would beat her and then Shields wins and now you're discrediting her. You can't do that. You can't play both sides. That's the type of hate. That's just a small sample. But that's the type of hate that I see for Shields. I don't get it. 
Yeah, she's too cocky. Yeah, she says she can beat men. I get that. We all agree. That's idiotic. She's not going to beat Keith Thurman or Triple G or any top guys. But that doesn't take away from what she does inside the ring. So to sit here and criticize her, and then you have people on Twitter saying, oh, she can't sell, this and that. I watched the event. Was it a sellout? No. But for women's boxing, that was a really good crowd in Detroit. They were loud. It wasn't a ton of empty seats. Yeah, there were empty seats, but it wasn't just empty seats everywhere. I saw a good crowd, and I saw a loud crowd. That's the most important part. The people that were there were passionate to see Clarissa Shields. So all this slander on her name, is absolutely ridiculous, especially for men. You got men in 2023 trying to discredit a top-tier female athlete who is dominating her sport. It couldn't be me. I couldn't be on here just, just slandering women for no reason. Anyway, on to other news. Heavyweights. Heavyweights in boxing. Talk about slandering names. I'm about to slander a few. Heavyweights in boxing. We need you to step it up. You're the one blemish. In 2023. 2023 has been an amazing year for the sport. We're getting so many great fights. Plant Benavidez, Haney Loma, Tank Ryan. We got one this weekend that I'm about to talk about. We have Inouye Fulton on the horizon. We have Spence Crawford. We're we are spoiled so far this year. But where are the heavyweights? Where are the big name heavyweights? Joshua's had his comeback already. Usyk, where are you? Deontay Wilder, where are you? Tyson Fury, where are you? All I hear from these guys is potential matchups. Oh, they may meet in, in Saudi Arabia. Tyson Fury has had, and I'm not exaggerating here, about eight different opponents mentioned, rumored, that he's going to fight next. Dude, pick a fight already. He's supposed to be the man. He's supposed to be one of the best. You aren't proving it. You haven't fought a quality fight since Deontay Wilder. One of the best heavyweight fights ever. But where have you been since then? To me, it's been a letdown. It's been a waste. Andre Ward recently dropped a documentary. It's called Son of God. It's on Showtime or Paramount. Check it out. It's one of the best documentaries I've seen in a while. He's one of my favorite athletes. Maybe I'm biased, but I think it's a must-see for any sports fan, not just boxing fans. But in that documentary, you see the career of Andre Ward. And I'm a big fan of his, so I remember it all. But to see it in this light and to really go through it from beginning to end, you realize how many great things this guy has done and the circumstances he did them in and the places he came from to get there. That's an all-time great. That is a first ballot Hall of Famer. That is one of the best fighters we will ever see. I bring it up because it reminds me that we're too quick to label these guys today. This is a great era. I'll champion this era. I think it's one of the most talented of all time in the history of the sport. But sometimes we we make these claims that these guys are so great. They're great. This guy's great. Shakur is great. Um, Javante Tank Davis is great. 
they need to start doing, and not just them, but they need to start doing great things. There's many others. I don't mean to just single them out. Those are the first two that came to mind. But these, oh, Tyson Fury, who I was just talking about, they need to do great things. The only guys I see doing great things right now are few and far between. We're going to find out when Crawford and Spence fight each other. The winner of that, actually, even that doesn't matter. Scratch that. Not the winner of that. Both of them are proving that they're great. They're finally getting in the ring. They're both undefeated. They're both champions. This is undisputed. They're proving they're going to be all-time greats. Now you're in a way. His career doesn't get talked about enough because he's in a small weight class. This guy has mopped killers, multiple-time champions. He's running through them like they're nothing. He just left a division. The top three in that division, he got them all out of there. Easy. And that's a good damn division right there. Bantamweight. That brings me to Alexander Usyk, another guy. Cleared out cruiserweight when cruiserweight was probably the best it's ever been. And I know cruiserweight isn't some all-time historic division that has a ton of great champions. But when Alexander Usyk was in it, that was the best it's been. You had killers in there. Garcia, Bradis, Michael Hunter, Marco Huck, Christoph Glawaki, who just had a crazy knockout in MMA. Like, that division, when Usyk was there, was loaded. Watch the fights. They were great fighters. And what Alexander Usyk did was make himself an all-time great by running through them all. Not only did he beat them all, he beat them all in their home country. And then he moved up to heavyweight, which people thought was a little too risky. Went against Anthony Joshua. Didn't only beat him, beat him twice, convincingly. That's all-time great stuff. So you got Inouye doing it. Sp Crawford, Spence, Usyk. Who else do we have currently doing great stuff? Not good stuff, great stuff. Chocolatito, look at his career. Great stuff. Coming back from vicious knockout and winning titles. Great stuff. Jermel Charlo's run at 154. Great stuff. Avenging both of his losses with stoppages. That's great stuff. Not everyone is doing it. Devin Haney is one of the young, the few young guys we see daring to be great. Taking the toughest challenge possible for the last four or five fights. Going to an opponent's country to take the titles. And then giving him a rematch in his country again. Shutting him out. That's great stuff. Fighting Lomachenko in a fantastic matchup. Eking out a victory there. Great stuff. Josh Taylor, who's fighting this Saturday. He went through a World Boxing Super Series. He went through guys like Regis Progray. When he beat Regis, he went on to fight guys Jose Ramirez. Yes, the Catterall victory was very questionable. We get that. But the fact he has the victories over Progray, Ramirez, Baranchik, Victor Postel, O'Hara Davis, guys like that, that's great stuff. Tiafimo Lopez. Has a tall task in front of him, but the fact that he's in the ring with Josh Taylor, the fact that he's already beaten Lomachenko at his age, the fact he knocked out Richard Comey to win a world title, he's on the verge, just like Haney. They're both on the path to do very great stuff. You look at that, back to that Andre Ward documentary, when he fought Mikel Kessler, who was a very feared fighter, Andre Ward was the underdog. Andre Ward was 25 years of age. These guys right now, Devin Haney, Tiafimo Lopez, that's the age, I believe Haney's 24, 
But T.O.'s 25, that's the age they are now. So they're on a great path. These other guys need to catch up. Some of these guys are 25, 26, 27, and they haven't had a win like Mikel Kessler yet. Mikel Kessler's a great fighter. I'm not saying that's an easy victory to come by. But they haven't done that yet. Never mind do what Ward has done after that. How many times do these guys go in as an underdog and find the victory? Because Andre Ward's done it many times. Tiafimo Lopez has already done it. All I'm saying is before we call a guy incredible or great or future Hall of Famers or elite, let's take a look at guys who actually are Hall of Famers and compare them and say, oh, wait, no, they haven't done enough yet. Guys like Canelo Alvarez, all he has to do is retire and he's a Hall of Famer. There's a select few that are locks. And there's the guys that I mentioned that are on their path. The young guys, Haney and Lopez, they're on their path to get there. But other guys, and I don't have to go through everyone, but other guys that the media likes to hype up or even us hardcores like to hype up in, in casual conversations, slow our roll real quick. Because guys like Floyd and Manny and Andre Ward, they were doing special things at a young age and carried it throughout their career. A lot of these guys are satisfied with just getting by, just having a good fight, just just beating a fringe contender and claiming, oh, I'm this and I'm that, and I want to fight this guy and I want to fight that guy. And they'll tweet about calling out guys or jump in the ring after a fighter's fight and say they want the fight. Well, go and make the fight. How about that? I'm sick of these mythological matchups that we do. Oh, this guy should beat this guy. Make the fight, and then we can break it down. Then we can talk about it. Don't talk about a fight that has no chance of happening because guys aren't willing to take that risk. The champions of the past were willing to take that risk. The select few guys I just mentioned today are willing to take that risk, but not enough are. So we got to stop calling them top tier, top class, future Hall of Famer, and shit like that because it's not true. Great fighters do great things, and they do it frequently. Not once or twice, frequently. So time will tell if these new guys are going to be legends. One thing's for sure, though, we're getting the fights this year that are going to separate the really good from the exceptional fighters. And I can't wait till we find out who's who, who's the real deal. And this weekend, we have one of those matchups. Josh Taylor defending the 140-pound championship against Tiafimo Lopez. This is in New York at Madison Square Garden. This is a tough one. This is one that has been brewing ever since T.O. beat Lomachenko, really. He was calling out Josh Taylor then, saying, I want to be double undisputed. I want to be undisputed at 135, and I want to be undisputed at 140. Of course, he lost to George Cambosis. And that derailed those plans. And then he eventually moved up. He fought Pedro Campa, who's a tough test for anyone moving up in weight. But I thought T.O. handled Campa fairly well. I mean, he stopped him in the seventh round. He dominated the fight. He was landing vicious combinations. He was styling on him. He was throwing jumping left hooks at him. Like, he really put on a show against Campa. My dog kind of whining again. I guess he doesn't like Pedro Campa, maybe. Or maybe he does like Campa, and he's 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 mad that I'm bringing up the ass-whooping that he took at the hands of Tia Fimo. But Pedro Campa is tough. 
he went life and death with Brandon Lee. And Tio got him out of there pretty easily. So I thought that was a good win. And then Tio fought Sandor Martin. Martin was a replacement for Jose Pedraza. So I thought, given that he was a replacement and given his style, I thought he would give Tio some problems. I didn't anticipate him giving Tio as many problems as he did. He actually dropped Tio in the second round, but Tio wasn't hurt by it. It was kind of a flash type knockdown, almost looked like a slip, but it was a clean knockdown. But Tio responded well, came back, won the fight, in my opinion. Some people in the crowd said, oh, Sander Martin win. Look, I watched the fight back twice. I didn't think you could argue Martin winning it, but he gave a great effort. And he really stunk out the fight, which was kind of my pre-fight notes on him, is that he can stink out a fight, meaning he can make a fight very ugly, very boring, make the opponent not look very impressive. And that's pretty much what he did. That fight sucked, but Tio got by it. So him struggling with that fight is fresh on people's mind. And that's why I think you don't see many people at all picking Tiafimo in this fight. He's an underdog in the books, not a huge underdog, but he is an underdog. And I haven't seen many professionals, many analysts or anyone picking Tio to beat Josh Taylor. But more on that in a minute. Currently, Tiafimo is 18 and 1, 13 knockouts, and then Josh Taylor is 19 and 0, also has 13 knockouts. So they're similar in that case. High knockout percentage, not a ton of professional fights, but both guys have fought stiff competition, as I mentioned earlier. As far as Josh Taylor, he has the victories. I've already spoken about them. Rewind the podcast if you want to hear about some of them. We also have the controversial victory over Jack Catterall, a fight that I thought he clearly lost. Taylor was supposed to rematch that fight against Jack Catterall. Things fell through a couple of times. I believe one was an injury of Josh Taylor. That pushed it back. They had another agreement. And then before it was signed, the Tiafimo Lopez fight came to the table and Josh Taylor took that. That to me isn't a duck. You can't duck somebody if you're fighting another fight that is equally or even more dangerous. In this case, I think this fight is more dangerous. Jack Catterall is a good fighter, but Jack Catterall was never thought of as an elite fighter. Did he beat Josh Taylor? I think he did. Styles make fights. Would he beat him again? I don't know. I believe he would be the underdog if they fought again. Tiafimo has a track record. Tiafimo is known in the sport. Tiafimo brings money, but also brings that danger. And I don't think you could really shit on Josh Taylor here for taking that fight instead. It's a much bigger fight. As a fan, I'm much more excited about this matchup than I would have been for a Jack Catterall rematch, even though the rematch was warranted. So you have both guys coming off shaky performances. Tio against Taylor, excuse me, Tio against Sandro Martin, and then Taylor against Catterall. So both guys may not be the most confident going into this. I think Tio has a slight advantage in that department because while some people did think Martin beat him, it wasn't even near the same outcry that Josh Taylor heard from the Catterall fans or from just people who observed the fight like myself who aren't really a fan of either guy, but just thought Jack Catterall clearly won. I think Taylor faced that much more and he faced it longer. He's been out of the ring 
for about 16 months now, whereas Tiafimo has had three fights in the last year. So Tiafimo should be coming into the sharp. Taylor, we don't know how sharp he's going to be. Is he going to have ring rust? We're not sure. That's one of the things that intrigues me about this matchup. And their, their mental space in general is really going to be probably the most important part. I can break down the styles in a second. But the mental aspect is something that we have to think about. Because a guy like Tiafimo, and I'm a big fan of Tiafimo Lopez, the talent. Tiafimo Lopez in that ring is one of my favorite fighters. Tiafimo Lopez outside the ring is a head case. He's a roller coaster of emotions. And he's been that way for people who have really been following his career. He's been that way for a while. It's not something new. I remember an interview, and I brought it up on this podcast in a different episode. But I remember an interview after a fight, and it was early in his career. It was still prospect-level fight. Tio won the fight, and he had like a bald spot. And he said that was a stress patch from losing his dog. And I understand losing your dog is terrible. I have two dogs. I hope they live as long as possible. So I understand him going through that. That was the first time, though, I said this guy is an emotional guy because he really brought it up. He really seemed like he was going to cry on TV. And the fact that he had a stress spot, that shows it was really weighing on him. And as it should, I'm not saying that's a negative, but that just kind of made me look at him and say, hmm, there's a lot more to this guy. He's very emotional. He very, he didn't have to share that information with us, is what I'm saying. So I saw that, and then there was things with his girlfriend. There was times where his family didn't accept his new girlfriend. That was a big issue that was brought up. Again, another thing that didn't need to be public. So that was something I, I scratched my head at again. Like, why are we even knowing this information? You don't need to tell us this. So that was a red flag. Earlier in his career, having issues with his dad, them having a volatile relationship, that was a red flag. Um, supposedly they've patched that up recently and they're on good terms. But then that girlfriend I mentioned earlier, he eventually marries her. There's issues with that. They have a child. There's issues with that. I was at the Sandra Martin fight in New York. He reached out to grab his son. And his wife at the time pretty much refused to hand him over and made T.O. just look like a clown on national television. This is on ESPN. People are seeing this and saying, damn, that's messed up, whether you like T.O. or not. Seeing a guy reach for his son and the mother just holding him like, nah, I'm not like, why are you even putting your hands on him? I'm not, I'm not giving you my son. That was weird. Come to find out, they get a divorce. That's another thing added on to Tio's mental. So Tio has a lot of things to deal with, but I've always said, and I always go back to Floyd Mayweather, who's my favorite fighter. That guy had a lot going on too. And he always delivered under the lights. He always delivered in the ring, whether it was charges being brought against him or rumors or legal issues or actually going to jail with the thought of jail on your mind before a fight and then coming out of jail and performing um, family member, family issues with him as well, with his father, his uncle. Floyd had a lot to deal with. Andre Ward, who I mentioned earlier, he had a lot to deal with in his personal life. The greats overcome these mental and 
personal issues to perform at the highest level. Tio needs to overcome that on fight night. Josh Taylor has his issues as well. Like I said, the Catterall cloud is still over his head. He has to deal with that. Supposedly, he had drinking issues that he brought up. He mentioned himself. That is something he had to overcome. The injury in camp, that is something Josh Taylor has to overcome. So both these guys have a lot to overcome. As far as the drinking and stuff like that, some guys perform better that way. It, it, it sounds crazy, but there are fighters who performed at their best when they were doing their thing, when they were drinking, when they were partying, when they separated the sport from when they weren't in camp. If you're not in camp, they weren't thinking of boxing, some of these guys. Josh Taylor might be one of those guys. He might be better when he's drinking outside of camp. Roberto Duran was one of those guys. He'd party all night. Come back, whoop a guy's ass. Manny Pacquiao was gambling, cheating on his wife, drinking. He had all those issues at his peak. He overcame them later in his career and found God and cleaned up his life. But he had those things going on earlier. At his prime, when he was knocking everybody out, when he was the phenomenon, Manny Pacquiao, he was dealing with that. He was doing those things. Oscar De La Hoya, we already know his lifestyle is well-documented. He was a great champion. Some of these guys perform better when they take the edge off and things like that. But some fighters live a clean lifestyle. Floyd Mayweather, again, a guy who lived a clean lifestyle. Caleb Plant, a guy that comes to mind. These are guys who never have a drink, never have a smoke. Floyd Mayweather would go to the club, wouldn't drink, and then he'd jog back home after the club. That's the dedication he had. Bernard Hopkins, a guy who said, hey, you got candy in the gym? Get that out of here. That's poison. He's another guy, clean lifestyle while he was a fighter. Some guys can do it. Some guys can't. Depends what kind of makeup Josh Taylor has, what his mental makeup is like. Is he the type of guy that drinking is going to derail him and make him unfocused and sloppy? We don't know, but supposedly he's over that. But that is another obstacle that he has to fight. Both these fighters have obstacles. What's going to happen? As far as in the ring, Josh Taylor is a southpaw, Tiafimo orthodox fighter. The good thing about Tio is he's pretty comfortable with southpaws. I wouldn't say he's comfortable, but he's he's been in there with many southpaws. He's been in there with recently with Vasily Lomachenko and his last opponent, Sander Martin. Both southpaws, both tricky. So it's not going to be something that he hasn't seen before. But southpaws are always more difficult to deal with than an orthodox fighter. That's just the way it is. The way your feet line up, the way the jab comes from a different angle. It's just tougher to deal with, and that is something that Tio will have to prepare for. One thing I like to point out here is Tiafimo's head movement. Very inconsistent to me. That's something that's going to be a huge factor in this fight. That needs to be on point against a sharp guy like Josh Taylor. Maybe he has some ring rust, but maybe he doesn't. He has a new trainer. We'll see how this guy switches up Josh Taylor's game, maybe just elevates his game, because at this point, you don't want to change too much, especially for an undefeated lineal champion like Taylor. So the head movement for T.O. is going to be big. Um, the Philly shell, the shoulder roll that T.O. likes to use, that can't be used until he has the fight figured out. Andre Ward pointed this out in one of his fights. I believe it was the Campo fight. That Philly shell 
should not be used in the first round. He needs to do it when he has a read on what Josh Taylor's throwing. If he does it too early, he will get caught. The shoulder roll certainly has its place in the fight, though. Teal will sometimes use it brilliantly when he catches a shot with his elbow as he's leaning. If someone's leaning in, throwing a shot, and Teal pokes up his left elbow, he can catch shots as they come in. He has to time it right, though. He's a reflex guy. He depends on his reflexes. This is a freak athlete we're talking about here. Josh Taylor, very good athlete, very technically sound fighter. But Tiafimo has the advantage in the athleticism department, making no mistake about it. So if he can use his reflexes to get that elbow up in time, take away Taylor's jab, that'll be a big factor. Um, Loma and Sandra Martin found success with their jabs because Tio keeps that hand, that lead hand, too low. That's a bad habit of his. I get it. He tries to get the elbow up in time. But if you already have a hand close, it's much easier to defend yourself. That's a bad habit of Teofimo. I don't want to see him do that too much because he will get caught with that jab. We've seen it before against Southpaws in the past. Josh Taylor, on the other hand, very aggressive. He sets up big shots with his jab. He's got like a probing type or a pawing type jab. He'll throw it out there sometimes, not even to land it, but he'll throw it out there to measure distance but also to distract you so he can land something big, so he can land his big left hand. Remember, he's a southpaw. He's throwing the right-handed jab out there, but he's coming over the top or even downstairs. He throws a great straight left to the body, does Taylor. Straight left to the body could be a key to victory here for Josh Taylor. For Josh Taylor to get on the inside to me is his best bet. That's where I see real separation in these two guys. The inside game of Josh Taylor is just top tier. Remember, if you watch the Jose Ramirez fight, the undisputed title fight, Josh Taylor drops Ramirez with an uppercut on the inside while these two guys were smothering each other, trying to cover each other's shots. Taylor is very crafty on the inside. He saw the opening as the ref told them. I don't even know if the ref told them to break up or, or Ramirez himself just stepped back. But as he was stepping back, a sneaky uppercut Catches Ramirez, drops him. Tiafimo cannot get hit with that shot. Tio doesn't have the most experience on the inside, but he did show improvement in two fights against Cambosos, which was a close fight. I mean, he did clearly he did lose the fight, but it was a close fight. People forget that. That was a really good fight as well. But he did well against Cambosos, and he did well against Pedro Campa on the inside. I think he learned that from the Vasily Lomachenko fight. He needs to use every tactic he learned from Loma against Josh Taylor because he's going to need it. Josh Taylor, once he closes that distance, he's a nasty, nasty fighter. People talk about Crawford. They call him Bud because he changes his personality a little bit when he gets in there. Sometimes they call Josh Taylor Hank. One of my favorite movies of all time, Me, Myself, and Irene with Jim Carrey. His character is Hank. He has split personality. That is Josh Taylor. He might turn into Hank. He's very mean on the inside. He's a vicious, vicious finisher. Don't get it twisted. Some people see guys from the UK and assume they're soft. Josh Taylor ain't one of them. Josh Taylor is a mean finisher. And he's going to look 
to take Tio's head off on the inside. Tio needs to be on his A game on the inside. Does he have an A game inside? I do not know. That is something that we will find out on Saturday night. Not only does Tio need to be good on the inside, Tio, when he's on the outside, he cannot lunge in. He can't do it. If he does this, he will be dropped by Josh Taylor. Josh Taylor is extremely effective at capitalizing on a wide open opponent. And when Tio lunges forward and misses a shot, he will be left naked defensively. His hands are too low, especially after he throws something. That would be a huge mistake. Sometimes Tio will literally get off of his feet. And I know he does that because it's flashy, flashy and can add some emphasis onto a shot. But when you miss and you miss bad, Josh Taylor will be there to make you pay. Josh Taylor likes to set up these counters by baiting you. He'll bait you to throw a shot. He'll dip forward and slip underneath your shot before he rises back up and fires a shot upstairs. He's done it over and over again. He's calculated. The Jose Ramirez fight, again, I'm going to bring that up again. It's a perfect example because he does that many times in that fight. But there is a way to offset this, in my opinion. A quickly timed left hook can resolve that issue. When Taylor jumps inside to land something, bang, catch him with that left hook. And what is Tiafimo Lopez's best punch? The left hook. It is remarkable. It is A-level. It is the weapon of choice that kept Lomachenko at bay for six rounds. The fear of getting caught with it. Tio has power in both hands, but that left hook, to me, the speed on it, the placement of it, and the power behind it is what leads to highlight rail knockouts. If Josh Taylor catches himself jumping in at the wrong moment, Tio can catch him with that left hook and change this entire fight. I talked about Tio keeping his hands low. Josh Taylor, though, is guilty of that same crime. Josh Taylor will let off an exchange on the inside and then retreat with his hands down. That's a bad, bad habit. I saw Keith Thurman pay for this same sin against Manny Pacquiao the first time they fought. Excuse me, the first round of their fight. They only fought once. The first round of their fight, Thurman paid for that. He, he escaped in exchange with his hands down. Manny followed him because Manny has fast feet. Tio doesn't have as fast feet. As Manny Pacquiao, remember, like I said earlier, freak athlete. Teofimo Lopez will close the distance quick, very quick, and he'll let his hands go. He can do that against Josh Taylor. If Josh Taylor escapes the pocket with his hands down, trying to be cool or whatever, he will get hurt. These guys, both of them, need to keep their hands up. This is a war in the making. So if one of these guys enter the ring and they realize they left their defense at home, they're going to be in big trouble and one of them might go to sleep. I've been torn ever since this fight got made. It's hard to pick a winner. It's really that close to me. You have Josh Taylor, who's the bigger guy. I think on fight night especially, you're going to see how much bigger Josh Taylor looks than T.O. Josh Taylor may have outstayed his welcome at 140. So maybe that comes back to bite him. There's so many factors here. But I think Taylor's going to be the stronger fighter on fight night. He's going to rehydrate much bigger than Tio is. Not to say Tio is super small for the division, but Taylor's just that much bigger. So I think the inside game and the mental strength is probably going to lead to a Taylor close decision. That's what I'm thinking right now on June 4th, 2023. 
But I'm, I'm definitely going to be rooting for Tiafimo. I want to see the young guy get the job done. I want to see him add to the legacy. I want to see him shut up everyone who's doubting him. And I get why people don't like Tio because he says a lot of dumb stuff. And especially after the loss to Cambosos, like, he makes it easy to root against him. But I'm rooting for him. I want to see the young bull pull out the victory. I want to see these young guys, this young crop of fighters who I mentioned earlier in the podcast, I want to see them all succeed. I want to see them all become these great fighters that we speak of in the past. And to do that, he's got to win this fight. To me, the key to win this fight is patience. Just like I said when he fought Lomachenko and I picked him to win that fight, many people doubted me. Patience. Tio, when he's a patient fighter, when he's a counterpuncher, when he's not pressing forward at all times, he's a much better fighter to me. Don't look for the knockout. The knockout will come if you let it come to you. Josh Taylor's a type of fighter, like I said, he's a nasty fighter. He wants to hurt you. He'll come forward. You don't have to search for, for Josh Taylor. Let Taylor come to you. And if you catch Taylor with something big early, that plays in your favor even more because Josh Taylor is the type of fighter that wants to get his get back. You hit him hard, he wants to hit you five times harder, and he doesn't want to wait for it. He wants to do it now. He wants to do it immediately. He's not as patient. Josh Taylor could get lured into a mistake. But in order for Tiafimo to do that, he has to be at his peak mentally. And that's a thing. Skill-wise, talent-wise, just judging off attributes and things like that, if we were to make a video game here, Tiafimo Lopez is the more skilled guy. Tio is the freak athlete. Tio has the faster hand speed. Tio moves much more fluidly as an athlete than Josh Taylor does. But Josh Taylor's mind and his IQ and his consistency is just much better than Tio. So that's what makes me cautious about this fight. Um, but Tio, yeah, just be patient. Counterpunch. Use the jab. Switch up your defensive stance. Keep your hands a little tighter than usual. And I think there is a clear path for Tio to win. But it's so hard to bet on him because this guy is just erratic. And one thing I'll say I do like, though, is his dad hasn't really been in the spotlight much throughout this promotion. That's a good thing. His dad needs to focus on the game plan. When he was fighting Lomachenko, and I get they had uh, Joe Gamash in their corner as well to help with the with the game plan. But Tio's dad had a great game plan in that fight. That's what won him trainer of the year, as crazy as it sounds. That, that one fight got Tio Sr. trainer of the year. So I know a lot of people give him shit too, but this guy has brought Tio literally since birth to where he is now. He's got to be doing something right. They just need to work together and not let ego or pride get in the way of what they have to do because Josh Taylor isn't a guy you can mess around with. I expect this to be an explosive fight. I can't wait for it. Either way, the winner is just going to add another great victory to their resume. Two guys that are have already accomplished a lot and are continuing to prove that they're willing to be great. They're willing to fight other top-tier fighters. This fight's great. 140-pound division is super deep. So whatever happens is good, but I think a Tio victory would be better for the sport. He's younger. He's more flashy. He's the American fighter with the bigger following, it seems. I feel like there's more marketability with Tio, but Josh Taylor is no slouch. Josh Taylor 
has done his thing for a long time and is a proven commodity in the sport. Tio's been to the mountaintop, but he's fallen off. Can he get back to the pinnacle of the sport? I remember after the Nakatani fight, which was a very difficult fight for Tiafimo, the doubters were there. Andre Ward and Tim Bradley said he's not ready for a title fight. Well, what did he do? He took a title fight right away. No warm-up after that. No tune-up. He went right in there against Richard Comey, who's a dangerous puncher at the time, and he knocked him out. And then from there, he beat Lomachenko. He needs to capture that magic again Saturday night in New York. You can watch Taylor vs. Lopez live on ESPN, but you can watch the entire card on ESPN+. Plus. This isn't a great card matchup-wise, but there's a lot of talent on this card. If you watch it on ESPN+, Plus, you can look at the likes of Bruce Carrington, one of the best prospects in the sport. They call him Shushu. He fights at featherweight. He's in an eight-rounder against Luis Perozo. Pay attention to Carrington. He seems to be one of them top-tier fighters. We'll have to see where his career goes. Henry Lebron versus Carlos Ramos in a junior lightweight fight. That should be all action. You got Robinson Conceição making his return against Nicholas Polanco in a 10-round fight. You have Jermaine Ortiz, former Lomachenko opponent, gave him a great fight. He's versus TBA. <laughs> we don't know who he's fighting. He's in a 10-rounder. Seems to be a tune-up here, obviously. But then on the televised portion on ESPN, you'll get to see one of my favorite prospects, Xander Zayas, the junior middleweight Puerto Rican. He's fighting Ronald Cruz in a 10-round fight. Xander Zayas brings all action. Still extremely young. He's another one getting a lot of criticism. He's extremely young. I believe he's only 19 years old. So let's give this kid some time to develop. And this fight against Ronald Cruz is a perfect developmental fight. So he could step up to contender status after he gets by someone like Cruz. But that's about it for the ESPN card. Again, all eyes on the main event, Josh Taylor versus Tiafimo. But that's not the only boxing this weekend. Of course, that's the most important. As I broke it all down, hopefully you enjoyed it. But I'm going to run through some other fights that are taking place this weekend. On Friday, you have the return of the problem, Adrian Broner. He's fighting in Miami Friday night against Bill Hutchinson. Who is Bill Hutchinson, you ask? He's a lawyer. I'm not making that up. This guy is a lawyer day to day, but he's got an opportunity of a lifetime fighting Adrian the problem Broner. Maybe Adrian will beat him up so bad, this guy will have to sue Broner. But who knows? We'll have to see. Um, in all seriousness, I'm rooting for Broner. Broner's good for the sport. Broner has gone through a lot of issues. We're talking about guys overcoming issues earlier on the podcast. Adrian Broner, I hope he can overcome some of his personal issues, get through this guy, this lawyer, beat his ass, stop him, and then you can move on to bigger and better things. But you got to get by this guy first. This guy is looking to make a name for himself. I'm sure he's training like he's never trained before. Broner better not take this guy lightly. I don't care what he does for a living. Get the job done so you can come back and be the AB that we all love to see. The can man. Anybody can get it. African, American, Dominican. That's the guy we want to see on our television screen. But you have to have the talent to back up the charisma. Also this weekend, you have, speaking of bums, talked about a lawyer earlier. Jaime Munguia isn't a lawyer. He's a professional boxer. He's undefeated. He brings great action to the ring, but he doesn't fight anybody of note. Here he goes fighting Dervinchenko. Dervinchenko is a solid fighter, right? 
Well, Dervinchenko is moving up in weight. Hasn't fought in a while. Last time he fought, he was getting his ass kicked several times in a row. So it's just convenient that now Jaime McGee wants to fight him. I don't look at this matchup as too much. I get it. Dervinchenko had some good performances in his career. But moving up, uh, I don't know. I don't really like this matchup too well. It seems to me tailor-made for Jaime Munguia to get a guy that he can claim was a good fighter on his resume. I think Dervinchenko's past it. I am tired of the shenanigans by Golden Boy with Jaime Munguia. It seems like they're just trying to get him to 50-0. I mean, 50-0 is cool and all, but you didn't fight anybody. Okay, so I don't want to hear this guy compared to any top fighters in the sport until he starts fighting top guys. That's on DAZN. You can check that out. I'm sure it's going to be a massacre. Probably won't go past nine, but who knows? I'm McGee is very inconsistent. So we'll just have to see. And then over in London, you have Sonny Edwards, one of the best flyweights in the world, taking on Andres Campos. That should be a fairly easy victory for Sonny Edwards. This guy's just a pure boxer. He's going to move around the ring, jab you to death, not get hit. He's going to kick ass. And I'm looking at the, I'm looking at the undercard, and there's a guy named Muhammad Ali. Not Nico Ali Walsh. Muhammad Ali is deep on this London undercard. He's a featherweight fighting a four-rounder. Well, with a name like that, you're going to get eyes on you. I wonder if he's got any skill. I've never even heard of this guy. That's funny, though, that I'm, I'm just seeing this now. Muhammad Ali, featherweight. We'll see. Good luck to you. But that's all I got for you guys this weekend. Up next, I should have a professional wrestling episode. I know the boxing fans are going to sigh at that, but that's okay. The pro wrestling fans will love it. That should come within the next few days, and then it'll be more boxing after that. Thank you guys for listening. Give me that five-star review. Tell a friend to tell a friend. You can find this on Apple or Spotify. You can follow me on Twitter at someone else. Thank you guys for listening. Enjoy the fights. I'm out.